This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show. So fine, you want to move on, you want a new voice, you want to change things up a little bit in the clubhouse, be my guest. But you cannot tell me that he is the one that should absorb the sole blame for why this team is likely going to miss out on the playoffs this year. Yankees are on pace for their worst season in like 30 years. How many games is this Yankee team going to win right now? they got 59 games, 48 left. Let's just go by the assumption that they're going to finish 500 the rest of the way. So 48 games left. You have 24 to what they have right now. That's 83 wins. You're 83 and 79. Is that good? If you're a diehard Yankee fan and you've watched every single game this year, or at least the majority of them, does this Yankee team pass the eye test? Do they? This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, tomorrow we're in for Barton Hahn from noon to 3. And then Friday morning we'll be in with our buddy Dave in the morning. A little DNR hijinks again from 6 to 10. So Giants are in Detroit. They are practicing a couple of days here with the Lions. They actually wrapped up two days of practice earlier today. They're going to take the field coming up on Friday evening for their first preseason game at Ford Field. I'll tell you, I mean, unless you've been living under a rock or maybe you haven't been paying attention to NFL stuff outside of New York, I mean, when was the last time that you could sit here and say the Lions have basically become the flavor of the month in the National Football League. I mean, outside of the Jets, like, I, I mean, there is more buzz surrounding the Detroit Lions as being that so, so-called so it team for the upcoming season. I, I mean, it really is ridiculous, and good for them, though, right? I mean, they sold out of their season ticket allotment, I think, for the first time ever since Ford Field opened, and you got to go back, I think, at least 20, 21 years or something like that when that building, uh, they first um, cut the ribbon on it. So good for the Lions. You know, they took a step last year, but now what can they do for an encore? You know, can they see it through and get to the playoffs? Remains to be seen, but it is going to be cool regardless. And, you know, for all of us that have to sit home and watch football on Thanksgiving every year, Having the Lions being actually somewhat respectable and, dare I say, even good, you know, it's good for all of us when we're sitting there trying to be entertained on Turkey Day. But Giants are there. And, look, the Giants were as good a story last year as you had in the entire National Football League. Opened a lot of eyes. Brian Dayball showed you that he knows what the hell he's doing. Joe Shane is the general manager. Had more to work with. Had probably had more to do this offseason as opposed to his first offseason as a general manager. We'll wait to see how these moves are going to play themselves out here moving forward. But, you know, they took care of all the important pieces. They gave Dexter Lawrence the money. They gave Daniel Jones the money. They gave Andrew Thomas the money. They didn't give Saquon Barkley the money and paid him essentially, well, what they felt a running back should get paid. So check, 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 check. As far as roster construction is concerned, Joe Shane passes all those marks here, at least here in the offseason. Now those guys are going to have to go out there and actually live up to all the hype. But we were talking about this yesterday, Rick and myself in the morning, getting into a Giants discussion. And the Giants this year, one thing that they're going to be faced with compared to last season is that this schedule, at least on paper, before we know whether these teams are going to be any good or any bad, schedule is going to be a little bit more challenging than it was last year. Because when you went into 2022 with the Giants, with the new regime, expectations were low. One of the things you said was, okay, if I wanted to be the eternal optimist, I got to feel good about the fact that, you know what, this schedule, we might be able to chalk up some victories here. 
And while we're still trying to figure things out, get used to the system, get used to one another, you know, you got some opponents in there that you should be able to beat. Well, the Giants even exceeded those expectations. And were able to stack up a bunch of victories, winning some games they weren't expected to win along the way. And that's how they found themselves in the playoffs. And then, oh, by the way, they put a playoff victory in their pocket. So last year was like the ultimate, ultimate satisfying season if you're a Giant fan, right? To me, it, it, was the, it checked the number one criteria of when seasons for a fan become the most satisfying is when it's unexpected and comes out of nowhere. And that's what the 2022 Giants were. Undisputed. But now what do you do for an encore? Because the difference between this year and last year with the Giants is there's expectations. Giants have a little bit of a target on their back. Now, look, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that the Giants should be considered the favorites in the NFC East because I don't think they are. But the Giants are a team that in the NFC, you know what? You're talking about a club that should at least be in the conversation for a playoff spot. And that's not asking too much. But because of the schedule, because of the fact that you have Dallas, Philadelphia in that division, well, if you're not as good as those two teams, you're not going to finish any better than third place again in the East, which of course means wild card. But then you're also going to have to hope that none of those other divisions in the conference are going to produce some major, major teams. Like if you look at the landscape right now in the NFC, all right, we know about the East. NFC North, Bears are still rebuilding, Lions I'll kind of believe it when I see it. Green Bay, huge unknown right now because Aaron Rodgers is a Jet. Minnesota lost a lot of good players. They lost a lot of good players because they were in some salary cap hell. They decided to go all in last year, and then they had to pay the price this offseason. Right? So a team that made the playoffs, won double-digit games, they're not going to have that same type of success this year. At least I don't think so. NFC South. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Carolina, Atlanta. Any of those teams a sure thing? I don't think so. And then you look at the NFC West. Arizona might be the worst team in football. The Rams are essentially just trying to piece this thing together and put a team on the field while they get their salary cap straightened out. And then you have San Francisco and Seattle. So how many other teams realistically do you say, okay, if you're a Giant fan of the NFC and you're trying to check off, can they make the playoffs? Can they not make the playoffs? What are the teams there that necessarily you think are going to be ones that stand in their way? I don't see all too many. AFC, on the other hand, that's a different story. Like if right now the Giants were in the AFC, I would be a little bit more pessimistic about their chances for this season because the AFC is just a nightmare. So they have an opportunity. Now, a lot of it is going to hinge on the quarterback. You're paying him a lot of money. You're now expecting him to run the show. And by all accounts from what we heard about today in Detroit, practicing with the Lions, he had himself a really, really good day. I know it don't mean anything because it's August 9th, but still. Coaches seem to put a lot of stock in these joint practices. They prefer them over the preseason games. That's why so many teams, I mean, everybody's doing it in the NFL, and it's not just with one team, they're doing it with two teams, right? That's where they feel that the value is, and it's really something that they feel they could control a little bit. So if you're the Giants right now, and if you're a Giant fan, and I want to hear from you at 800-919-3776, what to you constitutes a successful season? You're a fan of this football team. You open eyes last year. You were a feel-good story. But what is a successful season? Can you sit here and, and, 
and, and rationalize not making the playoffs and yet it being a successful season for the New York football Giants? I think he can. Now, maybe you don't want to hear it, but I think you can. Different story with the Jets. Different story from a Jet perspective because, let's face it, the Jets have to win this year, right? Jets have to find themselves in the playoffs or else this thing, something went horribly wrong. But if you're the Giants and the way I'm looking at it, if you win eight, nine games and maybe just miss out on the playoffs, and if you win eight games, let's say it's, it's technically a losing season, right, because you're eight and nine. How about I'll, I'll even give you seven games. You go seven, eight, or nine wins for the Giants, miss out on the playoffs, and the quarterback plays well, I think you take that. I think you got to be happy with it. You could find the silver lining in that because now Daniel Jones has become the centerpiece of your organization. Last year was still a prove-it deal or a prove-it year for him, right? You, he had to convince the power structure that he was going to be a guy worthy of big money, a guy being worthy of being designated the franchise quarterback for this team and getting that huge contract where he is going to earn just like the top quarterbacks in the NFL do. So if he could go out there this season and play at an even higher level, I'm talking about a higher level even than last year, to where you look at that contract and, dare I say, you might think, wow, that's, geez, we got him at a bargain. We got him at a bargain. If that happens and the Giants miss out on the playoffs, I think they did well. I think they did well. But not all seasons are created equal as we like to say. You know, you could get to eight wins, for example, but if you suffer a litany of injuries and somehow end up at eight wins, you say, boy, that's a good job getting eight. That's a great job by Dayball keeping this team together, not fracturing the locker room. You know, the guys that did play, they did a nice job. You might have one or two guys that rise up out of nowhere and end up making big contributions for you, but the quarterback has to be at the centerpiece of it. You know, if the Giants win seven, eight games this year, miss the playoffs, and the quarterback really doesn't take any strides from last year, that's a major disappointment. Because, let's face it, the organization realizes he's the guy that's got to get it done. They didn't want to give Saquon Barkley a big long-term deal, at least not one that Saquon felt was acceptable. And right now, if you're a betting man, Saquon Barkley going to be a Giant in 2024? I would sit here and say probably not. So if that's the case, if Saquon's gone, then it's going to really be Daniel Jones' show. Well, you better get in the habit of seeing a guy go out there and not just run this offense, run the entire damn football team because that's what they're paying him to do. Giant calls when we return, 800-919-3776. We'll also hear from Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball. Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Harvey says to me during the break, he's like, aren't you glad that the Jet Post game shows this year are only an hour? I said, what are you talking about, dude? It's only the preseason. And nope. Yeah. And no. Next game coming up Saturday afternoon. Pre-game with Greg and myself, 3 p.m. Kickoff at 4. And then we'll be on for the post-game, of course, Jets and the Panthers. We'll get into some Jets a little bit later on here in the hour but we're talking about giants and look i haven't sat there and mapped out my predictions for the upcoming season I usually do that you know at least i would say that final week of the preseason when i really start doing it because you have to also account for potential injuries or anything like that of the sort but right now if i'm just looking at it from a broad spectrum of the nfc and i outlined it in the last segment they're just looking at some of these other teams giants should find their way into the playoffs because I don't think this conference is very impressive as a whole. I just don't. Boy, Pete Alonso hit another home run. You know how much the Mets are going to be able to get for him on the trade market this offseason? Wow. Sparkle's hanging on to him. Yeah, I'll tell you. You talk about prospects, prospects, prospects. Remember, every home run he hits, his price keeps going up. And then the Mets price is going to be going up too and what they're asking price is going to be at the winter meetings when uh, they try to trade him. But... That's another discussion for another day. Anyway, Giants playing against the Lions here on Friday. A couple of joint practices. Before we get to the calls, let's hear from Daniel Jones. What's so valuable about these joint practices? I think just seeing different looks, going up against against different guys that you don't know as well. I think uh, you know the competitive nature of these practices speeds up the game a little bit in certain situations. And yeah, I think just seeing a seeing a new look, seeing a new team, you get used to practicing against your guys, your your you know your defense and, and what they do, and then to see another group is helpful. So yeah, it's a valuable time. What does Brian Dayball, the head coach, think about these joint practices? These practices are invaluable. You know, the, the looks that you get, the different competitions. So, you know, that's what coaching is. You go, you had a lot of plays, I'd say a lot of plays to evaluate. And then you look at them and fix what you need to fix and, um, you know, have another one. Again, this, is, this isn't a game right now. It's practice, albeit against another team, but it's, uh, it's been productive. And lastly, how about Darren Waller, Daniel Jones' new favorite target? At least I think he's going to be. What does he think about these joint sessions? 
just repetitions, you know, uh, going against another team, the, the way that they disguise coverages is like a mini way to game plan for a couple of days, see how they change coverages, what fronts they're in, adjustments you got to make at the line of scrimmage, post snap. So it's things like that, just getting those game reps in. So when it comes to the season, you got to adjust on the fly. It's not, it doesn't feel new to you. So this is something that is like one of the most valuable parts of training camp because practice, you can, you can simulate game situations, but this is really like a game like environment, get another team out there, new bodies. Like it's an, it's an exciting time and it just challenges everything you've done so far. Waller's going to have an unbelievable season for this team this year. If he could stay on the field, he is going to have a huge, huge season. And that's one hell of a pickup by Joe Shane. We'll see how it plays itself out here. By the way, before we get to the calls, just want to put you on high alert. Michael Lorenzen of the Philadelphia Phillies came over at the deadline from the Detroit Tigers. Good dude. I had him on my baseball uh, show like a week before the deadline. Um making his second start tonight. I believe it's his second start with the Philadelphia Phillies. He's got a no-hitter through seven innings tonight against the Nationals. It's 6 nothing down at Citizens Bank Park, so we'll keep you posted uh, to see if we get some history this evening. All right, let's get back to the phones here. Talking to little Giants, what is, I want to hear from the Giant fan, what is a successful season for this football team this year? Sam in San Antonio, up next here on 9870 ESPN. Sammy, how are you? I'm melting, Dan. How about you, man? I hope all is well with the family and the friends, brother. Sam, all is great, buddy. What's going on, pal? All right. Well, it's kind of a refresher to get off the whole uh, Mets debacle because that's typically what I call about. So um, I will make my Giants point, but at the end, I do just have one quick hypothetical question about the whole Cashman situation, if you give me enough time. As far as the Giants are concerned, uh, I honestly think they're going to uh, have a better season than last year, and this is why. Uh, You said a lot of things. We got the new talent in. I think that uh, the receiver from Tennessee, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Jalen Hyatt. I think he's going to be a big uh, force, whether he's just a deterrent or not, because that speed we all know over the top brings a lot. I think Daniel Jones is going to prove a lot of his critics wrong this year because we do know that he has a big arm. He could throw the deep ball well, he could, and he can run. Uh, here's my specific point. I'm one of those people that I believe big in team chemistry. The fact that Kenny Galladay is not going to be there anymore, I think that's going to be a lot for the team cohesiveness this year in itself. Plus, the second year under this regime uh, should bring a lot more confidence into Daniel Jones as well. I honestly think Daniel Jones is going to end up being a top 10 quarterback. He's obviously not going to be a Pat Mahomes or a Aaron or anything along that line, but I definitely will put him above a Dak Prescott or all those other second-tier quarterbacks that are after your Joe Burrows and such. Now, uh, my quick question about it's a hypothetical question mm-hmm. if any general manager in any other sport came into the season without mm-hmm. one of the starting positions is that not a fireable offense right there I, I i've never heard of anything like that and i never want to call for anyone's job but that to me was just such a big like what are you doing they well, took their if you, if you, uh, utility Sammy, player and threw them out there if it, you it's ha- mind-boggling if you're a team that maybe, you know, look, doesn't have high expectations, it's a rebuilding year, you go into the season, Understood. maybe you're cutting costs a little bit, then oh, I can understand maybe leaving a spot completely open. But for a team with a $280 million, it's like, all right, we built this $280 million house, for example. Okay? We built this huge, expensive mansion. Love it. Spared no expense. The marble the floors, the tiles, the whole nine yards. And then you go to sleep in it one night and you realize, geez, you know, I, I, I'm a little chilly. What the hell's the matter? And then you forgot the windows. That's the Yankees without having a left fielder. I forgot a bathroom. I mean, we're talking about a starting position. We're not talking about the bench. 
We're talking about not even like middle relief. We're talking about an actual starting position. I mean, just uh, just uh, parallel that to any other sport. Like if you come into a basketball season without a starting two guard or in football without your starting right tackle, that, that in itself to me is just a big question mark. And I think it's horrible that uh, Boone is going to be more than likely the one that's going to get the butt end of this deal. I mean, at the end of the day, look at his record as the uh, Yankees manager. There's With this newfound baseball, the, the coaches, the managers really have nothing, not much to do with anything anymore. They're told to do everything. So for the Yankees fans to call him out and to call out Garrett Cole, uh, that just makes me want to want to. Well, you know, Sam, it, he, Sam, here's the thing you got to remember, and I thank you for the phone call as always. He, he, here's the thing, though. Remember, Cashman was the guy who decided to bring in Boone. This is all on Brian, not Hal. Hal wasn't the guy who came out and said, you know, we got that guy who's in, announcing games for ESPN. I wonder if he'd like to manage one day. This was all Brian Cashman. He decided to, to, to punt the guy who had them within one game of the World Series in 2017. And oh, by the way, the same guy that won you your last World Series in 2009 in Girardi. And the Yankees haven't been that close since. So the Boone hire was all on Brian Cashman. His hands are all over it. And that's why if you're asking me right now, barring something just completely out of the ordinary over the last 48 games, I think they're both coming back. You know, I, nothing's happening to Cashman. I mean, we know that. Bob Klapish's report aside, nothing is happening to Cashman ever. Cashman's going to outlive the Steinbrenners in, in that stadium. But I, I, I think the manager is going to be safe too. And by the way, Sam mentioned something about the Giants with the chemistry and everything with Kenny Galladay not being there. Kenny Galladay really wasn't a problem for them. You know, he didn't produce. It was a bad contract. It was one of the worst contracts ever given out. But it's not like Kenny Galladay was divisive in any way. Kadarius Toney is a different story. And they shipped Kadarius Toney out to Kansas City. And he helped them win a Super Bowl. But my point is, is that Galladay not being there is, is not going to do anything to, let's say, improve the locker room. There wasn't a problem with the giant locker room last year. That's another area that you give Dayball and company a lot of credit for. Martin and Queens up next here on 98.7. Martin, how are you? Hey, what's going on? Can you hear me? I got you, Martin. What's going on tonight? How's things? Hey, everything's all right. Just listen to your commentary about the Giants. I'm a Giant fan. And um, my, my, my perspective is I'm not going to put a number on the amount of games that the Giants are going to win because the NFC East is back. It's going to be a bloodbath. But I do expect them to make the playoffs, and I do expect them to get into the second round. Uh, I'm not, again, putting a number, I think, I think we are good to be over 500, 9 and 7. A uh, possibility to get to either 10 or 11 games, everything breaks right. But I think we're talented enough to make the playoffs and go to the second round. But I want to make a comment about when you say the Giants could not make the playoffs and still believe in Daniel Jones. I mm -hmm. totally disagree with that. Okay. I think last year was a good progression, good progression for him in which he was able to manage the game, right, quote-unquote, a game manager, and he did well in that role, and um, he cut down on the turnovers. But they gave him the weapons now, okay. and it should be Brian Dabo should be a little bit more confident in putting the ball in his hands and telling Daniel Jones to go out there and win the game. Last right. year he had a built-in excuse because he didn't have all his receivers and a lot of people on offense. He doesn't have that excuse now. So Martin, let me Martin, let me ask you a question though. Let me ask you a question only because, only because, unfortunately, you know. 
Watching football as long as I have, I've seen it all. What happens if the Giants, okay, and, and like I said, I don't want this to happen, but it could happen. Let's say Kayvon Thibodeau misses the bulk of the season with injury. Let's say two of the Giants' starting corners miss the bulk of the season due to injury. You know, you have a revolving door at linebacker again because they can't stay healthy. And the defense is really one of the disappointing units in all the NFL. So you have, let's say, a bottom, you know, 7-8 defense. You can't stop anybody. And that ultimately is what is the Giants' undoing. Offense plays pretty well. Daniel Jones plays pretty well. But the defense is one of the worst in the NFL this year, and you miss the playoffs because of it. You can't take any solace from that at the end of the season and just say, shoot, you know what? We got some bad luck. The injury bug was unkind to us, but damn, we got ourselves a quarterback. Did you see how well that Daniel Jones played despite the injuries on the other side of the ball? And we had an offense that was rolling up, let's say, 25 points a game on average, and he played at a really high level, and we won seven, eight games. You're not going to win every year. I know you don't want to hear it. But if that reality presents itself and the quarterback is one of your top players, I think you have to kind of separate things and say, all right, maybe we got this guy. Maybe the Daniel Jones-Brian Dayball partnership is going to work out after all. And we have an answer at the most important position in sports for the next 10 years. That would be a boom if you're the Giants. Because remember, and I'm not trying to put limits on what they can or cannot do. Last year, though, they were ahead of schedule. They weren't supposed to go to the playoffs last year. Hell, they weren't even supposed to be a 500 team last year. But they did it in year one. What they did last year was probably what you would expect them to do maybe in year two or year three. But sometimes when teams do that, they take a step back that next year for whatever the reason. 800-919-3776. More of your giant calls. We'll also get to the Jets a little bit later on in the hour as well. Grasses Show till 10, 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasser Show, 98.7 ESPN here on this Wednesday. We'll get to the Jets coming up in just a little bit. We're talking Giants now, but I should also mention to you that I tell you, like I said, it, it doesn't matter. Like the opener thing to me, I was very skeptical about Severino. Stop with the first inning stuff. You really think that that the number one is what's like stuck in his brain and he can't get over that mental hurdle? Okay, so if he, if he throws his first pitch in the second inning to him, that's still his first inning of work. And so far, he's given up three runs already in this inning. 
uh, against the Chicago White Sox. It's he's you know what? You hate to bury a guy, but he might be shot. He might be shot for the rest of the season. He needs a reset. He needs to get away from baseball. He, need, I mean, his, he, he's, when, when a guy goes out there and says that I'm the worst pitcher in baseball, is that somebody that you feel confident giving the ball to in five days? Not me. They're defeated. They're beaten. Part of the reason that athletes get to the level of success that each and every guy that stepped foot on a major league mound gets to is because they have that confidence and they feel that they're better than anybody that's going to be standing 60 feet, 6 inches away. He probably isn't even confident that he could get me out right now. Yankees got a problem on their hands. And that's why the Carlos Rodon, the Domingo Herman absences makes this even more of a problem for them. I had such high hopes for Severino this year. I really thought that you were going to see a guy who was going to, like, flash all-star form again. And it's just not happening. Lorenzen, by the way, threw eight innings in Philadelphia with the no-hitter. So three outs away from history for Michael Lorenzen. We'll keep you up to date on that one. David in Cranford is up next now as we continue our giant conversation. David, what's going on? Man, great to hear you talking from New York Giants on ESPN. Love it, man. Love it. Of course, it. Dave. Come I, on. I, you know, Dave, I was in... I was in Cranford today, as a matter of fact. How about that? Ah, it's a beautiful city, man. It's beautiful, a beautiful city. place. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great place. Um, hey, I think the thing. I, I mean, I, I a lot of folks are saying a lot of focus on the schedule and how tough it is this year. I, I just think you got to like pump the brakes on that because schedules in the NFL, man. Like, there's so much variables that go into when you're, you're playing right. a team, injuries what time, you know, what they're coming off of, what you're coming off of. Um, so what looks like a really rough schedule at the beginning of the year might look a lot different. Other teams that you thought you were going to, you know, roll Amen. up on, you might not. Other, You know, that sort of thing. And that's, so, why, and that's why I think it's ridiculous when they release the schedules in the spring, how these idiots do the win-loss, win-loss game and predict oh, the, the outcome it's, it's just, when, when the schedule comes. I mean, Dave, look, it's, it, it's August 9th. Week one is, is a month away. We still can't even do the win-loss game because, as you said, you could be looking at a game right now. Um, let, let me pick one. Okay, Giants play the Rams on New Year's Eve. I don't think the Rams are going to be right. very good this year, and we might pencil that as a win. What if the Rams have an unbelievable season and that's going to be one of the hardest games on the schedule? Like, we just don't know. I think the bigger one, I, I, I totally agree, in between the Rams or before the Rams and after the Rams are the Eagles. The issue is... Hey, let's just say you can go two ways with the Eagles. One, they take a little bit of a step back, and maybe the Giants take a step forward, and it's competitive. Or the Eagles wipe up the NFC because it's not as strong as the AFC. And in one of those games, they have absolutely nothing to play for, which could actually help the Giants. So you just don't know how to schedule. But I will tell you this. I think there is no question that this team will make it back to the playoffs, and there's there's two reasons. One is – because they're in the second year of the coaching staff and they kept the whole staff together, both defense and offense. And I think this staff gives them an advantage almost every week. Um, And number two, if you just take the time and go look at their roster this time last year, you, you know, or or the beginning of the year, it will, it will make your head spin compared to they addressed so many critical issues. Now they need those players to step up and they need them to stay healthy, knock on wood so far we have, but if they get that health, you know, relative health, but you can say that about every team, this team's going to be, it's going to surprise a lot of people. 
I I don't know if surprise is the right word, Dave, and I thank you for the phone call because remember, this team won a playoff game last year. You know, the Giants aren't going to be that little engine that could anymore this year. They were last season, and they were a great story. This year, look, you come off of a playoff appearance. You, you were one of the final four teams still standing in the NFC despite the fact that you got your doors blown off against the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that went to the Super Bowl. People expect you to be halfway decent the next year. You know, the Giants aren't going to be a surprise if they win 9-10 games. But but you know what? Dave made some real good points in particular about that situation with the Eagles at the end of the season. Now, look, it's odd. I don't know what why the NFL does these screwy things on occasion with the schedule. Like, how, how are the Giants and Eagles not playing each other until the until Christmas Day? Until Christmas Day. The, the, you know, the third to last game of the season is when the Giants and Eagles square off for the first time. So that last game of the season against Philly, what happens if the Eagles have everything wrapped up just like they did last year when the Giants and Philly played? And let's say Eagles don't need the game, but the Giants do. Because last year the Giants didn't need the game either when they went down to Philadelphia for the finale. And then maybe the Giants find a way to beat Philadelphia. And then you got to split with the Eagles. You, you, you never know how this whole thing can play into your favor. Because one thing that's pretty evident about the Giants is they got to perform a little bit better in the division. Right? If we're going to talk about what this team could do and how they could once again get back to the playoffs. Remember, they won one game last year in the division. One. Got to be better. Because if you can't go toe-to-toe with the guys that you're competing against, that you're going to be in some problems there. Eric is in Clifton. He is up next here on 98.7. What's up, Eric? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Dan? That's a perfect segue because, uh, like I told you, a call screener, I'm an Eagles fan lying in the weeds up here in northern New Jersey. And uh, I just think the Giants are completely overblown. And um, you got Saquon, um, who has, hasn't been healthy for the past couple of years. He's... Uh, embittered having to take a you know well, he was healthy last year he was healthy last year yeah well pretty much pretty much throughout the whole year um but you know a little more injured than they they hyped him to be like this robocop coming out of college like he was the, the greatest physical specimen well, that ever. was dave gettleman yeah that was dave gettleman right um then you have um and like i said your call screener he held me over the coals a little bit and he was asking me because i said that um, if you look at Jalen Hurts, um, first year, um, second round quarter, uh, second round pick, nobody had right. any expectations of. Uh, first year, uh, second year playoffs, um, third year Super Bowl. Whereas you have Daniel Jones, um, who's on his um, already out of his rookie contract, and the jury's still out on him. They have all these guys on defense, supposedly like the. I, I, I just listened to. You guys on the radio saying about the rookie that they got from Maryland, the cornerback, they said that he's not even shaping up to be the number. There's a guy beating him out. And, um, like, I don't know, the Giants is like I said, if anything, like I told the call screener, the Jets, I'll give them the flowers because the Jets have an awesome defense, young stars at every position. You got Rodgers coming in. Um Garrett Wilson, you got, I mean, from top to bottom, you, you have some ammunition there. But the Giants are just, I mean, it's like they're trying to put lipstick on a uh, 
on a pig there. So, so you're not so you're not convinced with the Giants and what they did last year, and that's that's obvious. But Eric, let let let's get to the important stuff here because I got a question for you, and and this is really the only thing that matters tonight, as far as I'm concerned, in, in this conversation we're having. How much do you love the Kelly Green jerseys they're bringing back this year? Oh, that's um, I might buy it on Brown. <laughs> That's the I one. might get a Jerome Brown. You got a lot to choose from. You know what's amazing with those? And, Eric, thanks for the phone call, my friend. Eric, look, Eric's an Eagle fan. You know, he's a little bit biased. right? So you, so you can expect that. I wouldn't be too offended if I'm a Giant fan. But it's so funny. Like, when I was a kid and the Eagles had those jerseys and the helmet and whatnot, the Kelly green, before they made the switch to that other green, which was in, like, the mid-'90s. When they wore those Kelly green jerseys, I kind of – I didn't think they were anything special. You know, maybe because, like, those were the same jerseys that the Jets had in the 80s, which was also that Kelly Green, which they're kind of going back to a little bit this year with those throwback ones. But now, when any of these teams bring the throwback uniforms back into existence, even if it's temporarily, I think they're the most gorgeous things I've ever seen in my life. Same thing with the Houston Oilers. Like, the Houston Oilers, the, the Titans are going to wear those as a couple throwback days this year. I never loved the Oilers uniform when I was a kid, and now they're bringing them back. I'm like, just make them their permanent uniform, whatever. Make them the Tennessee Oilers again. Who the hell cares? It works for me. The ones that I still to this day, though, I just – and the Jet ones, forget it, but I love – I mean, the Jet ones, I can't sit here and say enough good things about. I love, love, love those 80s throwback ones that they're bringing back. The ones that I still can't warm up to, though, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneer creamsicles. Because when I first started getting into football, at that time, Tampa Bay was a laughing stock in the NFL for a good number of years. You know, like when Vinny Testaverde was like the number one pick and the, the Bucks were just awful. Right. And so I just looked at those uniforms and I always associated that with bad football. You know, they never won with those. I mean, they won with them, obviously, years. You know, they went to the championship game, for crying out loud. Doug Williams and everything. But, like, I'm talking about just in, like, the mid-'80s, mid to late-'80s. They were bad. So I never associated those uniforms with anything as far as, like, good football's concerned. So I just always had that as, like, a thing in the back of my mind. Now they're bringing them back this year for a couple of games, and I'm just like, I, I don't like I, – those, they could retire permanently as far as I'm concerned. They really can. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, one out away, or excuse me, two outs away from a no-hitter in Philadelphia. We'll see how this turns out. We'll take a quick timeout, come back. We still got to get into the Jets. Hard Knocks episode, what'd you think? Let's hear from the Jet fans as well. Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. History in Philadelphia, Michael Lorenzen. Completes the no-hitter in what, just his second start for the Philadelphia Phillies since coming over from the Detroit Tigers at the trade deadline. Blanks the Nationals 7-0. Last out of the game, by the way, was none other than our buddy Dom Smith, who flew out to center field. So good for Lorenz. And like I said, I had him on the baseball show probably, what now, a little less than a month ago. Real good dude. Uh, you know, he's a guy who wanted to be a starting pitcher. You know, uh, when he was with Cincinnati, breaking into the big leagues, they were shuttling him back and forth from the rotation to the bullpen. He's also a guy that can hit, by the way. Like, he was one of the guys that was upset that, you know, the, you have the universal DH because he can actually swing the bat pretty good for a pitcher. Then he went out to Oak or to the Angels. They tried to 
tap into him a little bit there because they always need pitching, it seems like. It didn't quite work out. He goes to Detroit. He has himself a decent season, made the all-star team this year, and ends up in Philly, and now he throws a no-hitter. So good for him. He's a really good dude. Um, Really easy interview, too, because it was one of those I only had to ask like three questions, and I think that ate up the entire segment because he just was going on and on and on. (laughs) On and on. <laughs> Good for him, though. You know, little tricks of the trade never hurts. First Phillies no hitter since uh, Cole Hamels did it in 2015. And Harvey asked me a question. He's like, "Oh, Cole Hamels, a Hall of Famer?" I said, "Of course not." And he, he, you said that was a hot take. In, in in what Hall of Fame is Cole Hamels getting into? The San Diego, Southern California. Surfer dude Hall of Fame. I'm sure you there's mean, a I'm sure there's a ballot somewhere for that one or in. Well, he's a, he'll he'll be a Phillies Hall of Famer because he was the World Series MVP when they won in 2008. He's a Phillies Hall of Famer, but the the National Baseball Hall of Fame in, in Cooperstown. Of course I didn't not. I didn't think it warranted the response you gave me though. What did I, I say? I said of course not. <laughs> I did not say of course not. I said is he Hall of Famer? And he said Cole Hamels. Cole yeah, Hamels. So. <laughs> yeah. Like you're a blasphemous <laughs> about it. That's like asking if uh, I don't. Know, I'm trying to think. Of, that's like asking me if Luis Severino's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Luis Severino. Someone's got to explain to me why would you give him the ball at all if you have a if you, opening, if you have an opener. You know why? Because, like I said, Carlos Rodon for 162 million dollars just doesn't want to pitch this year, and Domingo Herman is off dealing with a problem, and that is why Luis Severino is pitching. Although you can make you can make an argument, and this is going to be bantied about, I'm sure, in the postgame show and on this radio station tomorrow. Why not just run with the bullpen the entire night? Because it's fairly rested. That was a good part about last night. Between Clark Schmidt and Michael King and Lewisco, you only needed two guys out of your pen. Tomorrow you got a day off. You might as well just empty the damn tank. You're not giving yourself a chance to win. Look at this. An extra was that an extra base hit to lead off the third inning that he gave up? Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, the dude is not competitive. An inning in two-thirds, he's given up four hits, three runs, a 430-foot home run. I mean, you're you're basically, like, the Yankees should have a ceremony. They should televise it on the Yes Network if they're going to continue to give the ball to Domingo Herman. They should show Brian Cashman, since he's not getting fired, Show Brian Cashman, he could could reach to the ground, he could pick up a white flag, and he could wave it. Maybe Aaron Boone could wave it too, since they're lockstep and barrel. Waving the white flag when you decide to give Luis Severino the baseball. And look at this. Running. Look at that. And Severino's so damn slow to the plate is that these guys are running all over him now too. Well, that's Luis Robert. I mean, he could do that, but, boy, they got a problem. Not like it's breaking news, but the Yankees have themselves a Luis Severino problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tonight on Nightline, Luis Severino can't get anybody out. What's next? That and Carlos Rodon. How much money is too much money for a guy who never pitches? But Cashman's safe. It's not going anywhere. Obviously, we're, we're in it to win it. Now you're in it to win it, baby. Win what? Win what? What are you you winning? You know, one last thing on the Giants, though, real quick. 
the offense, I think, is going to be better this year. I'm excited to see what this passing game could do. I think Hyatt will help them. I don't know if he's going to be like the rookie of the year, but remember, the Giants had the fewest pass plays last year of 20 or more yards in the entire NFL. You know, it's a passing league. That's something that they have to tap into, and they've tried to address it during the offseason. I think this collection of wide receivers, even though you don't have, like, the one stud, the one game breaker, I think it still could be effective. I really do. We'll talk some Jets. We'll talk some Knicks in our final hour. Grasso Show till 10 on 98.7 ESPN. Cole Hamels? This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>